We honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. You can lower me just a little bit in the monitor. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to read verses 8 and 9. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Reading verses 8 and 9. Paul writes and he says now... He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. Father, I just pray today, Lord, as we begin this series today, God, that you will do what I am unable to do. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will deal with the heart of your people today. Father, I just pray, Lord, that this will be a very successful time, God, and we will see many, Father, that will come together, Father, in unity to do incredible and unbelievable things for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. We thank and we praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be reseated this morning. Well, today we began a three-week series called Join the Team. And at the conclusion of the third sermon in this series, we're going to have what we're calling a ministry fair. And there we're going to showcase our ministries. And then once we have showcased our ministries, we are going to then ask you to join our team by becoming a part of one of these ministries. This morning, we're going to begin this series by talking about teams. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is I want to talk about the pattern, the pattern of a team. The pattern or the example of a team can be traced back to the very first chapter in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. I want you to notice the word us. God said, let us. Us make man in our image. Who is us? Did you know that God himself is a team? I said, did you know that God himself is a team? There is one God who manifests himself in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the the Holy Spirit. Now, don't, don't get mixed up this morning. We're not talking about three gods. We're talking about one God, but manifested as Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God, but united as a team. And this team is called the Trinity. Now, I want you to understand that each member of this team is equal in importance, but different in function. I want to say that again this morning. That this team that's called the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, each member of this team is equal in importance. God the Son or Jesus is just as important as God the Father. The Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit is just as important as God the Father and God the Son. Each member of this team is equal in importance, but they are different in function. Different in function. Let me, let me give you an example of this. Let, let's take the role of salvation as, as an example this morning. It took teamwork to pull off salvation. 
teamwork pulled off salvation. Salvation is dependent upon the individual contribution of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you that if any one of the members of the Trinity had failed in their contribution, salvation would not be available today. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. I want us to take a quick look at the role of each member of the Trinity in the, in the process and in the provision of, of salvation. First of all, let's look at God the Father. God the Father, what was his part in salvation? Well, he was the planner. God the Father was the planner of salvation. Salvation came to man through the plan of the Heavenly Father. It was the plan of the Heavenly Father. And he was not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So God the Father was the planner of salvation. God the Son, or Jesus, He is the person, the person of salvation. Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus became God with skin on. And then God the Holy Spirit was the power, the power of salvation. The role of the Holy Spirit in salvation was to empower Jesus. Because you see, Jesus, Jesus, who was the Son of God, but He became the Son of Man. And Jesus, when He did His miracles, did not do them as Son of God, but He did them as Son of Man, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was placed in Mary's womb. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was born of a virgin. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was born sinless. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus lived a sinless life. It was the Holy Spirit living inside of Jesus that allowed him to overcome sin. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus did his miracles. Oh, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit where Jesus had the courage to die on the cross. And it was through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, that would bring Jesus back from the dead. We're talking about the pattern of a team right now. The pattern for teamwork has always been. God Himself is part of a team called the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Moses built teams. His father-in-law Jethro saw that how Moses was trying to lead the children of Israel wasn't working very well. He was seeing that his son-in-law Moses was burning out because he was trying to do everything on his own. He was seeing that, the, that, that those three million Israelites, their needs were not being met because of the fact that Moses was trying to do it all. And so Jethro told his son-in-law Moses to build teams. He said build teams of hundreds. He said build teams of fifties, build teams of tens. He said divide up people uh, into groups or teams and then place a qualified leader over each team. We're talking about teams right now this morning. We're talking about the pattern of a team. God himself is a team. Moses built teams. Jesus, Jesus built teams. He chose 12 disciples and he poured his life into those 12 disciples. And then out of the 12, he built another team. It was called his inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. You see, you see, teams are not just some, some good idea dreamed up by some lazy man trying to get out of work. 
But God himself is the originator of of teams. And and we can find the pattern or the example of teamwork throughout the Bible. Actually, we can find it in the very first chapter of the Bible. Let me tell you this morning that our church is a team. We are a team. And just as all of us together this morning are a team... We also have teams within our teams. And in the next three weeks, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to encourage you to join one of our teams. All right, we talked about the pattern of a team. Let's talk a little bit this morning now about the people. The people of a team. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. The Bible says, and when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who's called Peter. And Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Libius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. I want you to notice these names. Notice the names of the twelve disciples, of the twelve apostles. Notice these names, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew. Sound familiar? We're all very familiar with these names, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew. But then I want you to notice these names, Bartholomew, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot. Who are these dudes? Who are these guys? We we know who Peter, James, and John are. Everybody's familiar with Peter, James, and John. But who in the world is Bartholomew? Who in the world is Thaddeus? Who are these guys? Well, they were disciples just as much as Peter, James, and John were. And they too were a part of the ministry team of Jesus. You see, all types of people are needed on a team. See, everybody cannot play quarterback. Everybody can't be the the hotshot running back. All types of people are needed on a team. You know, know, people on stage are needed. Thank God for for, for the worship team. Man, where would we be at at New Bethel without our incredible worship team? People are are, are needed on stage, but let let me tell you that there are people behind the scenes or behind the stage that are also needed. And hey, somebody actually had to build the stage. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the worship team. (laughs) All types of personalities are needed on the team. You need a sanguine. You need a sanguine on the team. Life of the party. Uh, The sanguine can add life to the team. A team without a sanguine would be a dull team. I just now discovered why it's so quiet in here. My Mexican jumping bean is not here this morning. The sanguine of the group is not on the front row this morning. (laughs) 
No wonder it's so dead in here. Where's my sanguine jumping and shouting on the front row? All types of personalities are needed on the team. The melancholy, the melancholy is needed on the team. Oh, oh the melancholy can add detail. Detail to the team. See, a team without a melancholy will look or will lack the important little details. And the choleric. The choleric is needed on the team. The choleric can add direction to the team. A team without a choleric might not even know which direction to go. They're all fired up. The sanguine's got them fired up, man. They're having a party along the way. Melancholy's got it all lined up, man. But somebody needs to give a direction and tell them how to go, where to go, which way to go. And then the phlegmatic, the laid back, easy going one, the phlegmatic can, can add stability to the team. He's the steady Eddie. And without a phlegmatic on the team, you won't, you won't get any of the grunt work done without him. Because he's willing, he doesn't have to be on stage. In fact, it'll scare him to death. He doesn't want the microphone. He certainly doesn't want to give direction to the team. He's not really into the details. But man, just show me. Just show me which way to go. Put a hammer in my hand. You know, tell me what you want. Give me a picture. I'll build it. I'll do it. Everybody is needed on, on the team. Disciples like Bartholomew and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot, oh, they might not have gotten as much press as people like Peter, James, and John, but I tell you, they were as much a part of the ministry team of Jesus as anybody else. I don't know this this morning, but perhaps, perhaps they were not as high maintenance as Peter, James, and John were. They probably just showed up every single day very quietly and simply went about their business, simply went about doing the ministry work that was assigned to them. I don't know, but it could be that that they didn't need the, the constant encouragement and the kudos from their master to keep them going. They just showed up every morning and just did their work. Here's what I'm thinking this morning. Perhaps some of the greatest players that we have are still on the bench. Because of your quiet and meek spirit, you will not push yourself forward. You will not announce to everybody your gifts, your talents, and your abilities. You will not push yourself forward. Oh, and yet you possess incredible gifts, incredible talents, unbelievable abilities that nobody even knows about. Oh, what an incredible, unbelievable asset you could be to this church and to God's work if we could get you off the bench and get you into the field of play. So I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking you to join the team. I'm asking you to get off of the bench and get into the team. I'm asking you this morning to use your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities in the work of the Lord. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that our team needs you. We need you. We need you. Whether you're a charismatic sanguine, whether you're a forceful choleric, whether you're a deep thinking melancholy, maybe you're a plodding phlegmatic, let me tell you that there is a place for everybody on the team. And let me tell you that a successful team has a place for everybody and it has everybody in its place. A successful team has leaders leading and followers following. Talk about the people. The people of a team right now. I want to make an acrostic this morning from the word team. 
And you use this acrostic to describe four qualities of a good team member. Four qualities of a, of a good team mem- member found in an acrostic of the word team. For the letter T, this morning I'm using the word trustworthy. A good member of a, of a team will be trustworthy. Let, let me illustrate this with a, with a game of, of football. Game of football. And by the way, uh, Cowboy fans, uh, we're undefeated this season already. <laughs> Maybe the last Sunday I can announce that, but this Sunday, I, right now, I tell you we're undefeated. Yeah, go Cowboys! <laughs> we love to hate him, don't we? <laughs> We love them about half the way, and then we hate them the rest of the half. That's right. Let me illustrate this with the game of football. Now, now the object of this game is to score more points than the opposing team by taking the ball across the goal line more often than the other team. If you take this football across the goal line more often than the other team is, then you are the winner. Let me tell you that trust is a huge issue in this game. Trust is a huge issue in the game of football. The quarterback, the quarterback must be able to trust the lineman to block for him. Because if the blind, if the lineman don't block for him, he's toast, man. I mean, they'll knock him into next Tuesday. And, and, and then he must trust his people in, in the backfield that when he hands the ball off to them, they don't fumble it. He's got to trust the wide receiver that when he goes out for a pass, <laughs> I'd throw it to you, but you'd drop it. <laughs> he must trust his receivers to catch the ball when he throws it to them. Now, 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 the other part of the team, on the other hand, they must be able to also trust the quarterback. They must trust him to call the right play at the right time. And they must trust him to be able to execute the play. That when they're busting through the line, that the quarterback is there and the ball is there. That when they make the break out there, that the ball is waiting on them when they get there so they can catch it. Trust is, is, is a big, big issue in the game of football. And so it is with our team. It's the same with you and with me this morning. To be, to be a good teammate, we must be willing to trust one another. And we must prove to our teammates that we, on the other hand, are trustworthy. I must be able to, to trust that if I hand the ball off to you, you're not going to fumble the ball. I've got to be able to trust you. That if I throw the ball to you, you're going to catch the ball. And you've got to be able to trust me to know what play to call. Amen? In the Bible, the Apostle Paul had a ministry team. And one of his teammates was a young man named Timothy. I want you to listen to what Paul writes to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20. He writes and he says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. I want you to notice the word entrusted. 
You see, Paul didn't try to do all the ministry all by himself. Rather, rather he handed off some of the ministry responsibilities to his teammate, Timothy. Look at the letter E in the word team as we talk about what a good teammate is this morning. For the letter E in the word team, I'm using the word equipped. Paul writes again to his teammate Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. He says, the things that I have taught you, you teach to other reliable men. See, Paul didn't dump ministry on Timothy. He delegated ministry to Timothy. And there's a big difference. There's a lot of people that dump things on people. Leaders who dump ministries or dump responsibilities on, on those that are below them. I mean, you know, it got dumped on them, so they just keep dumping it. It just keeps getting passed on down. Big difference in dumping and, and delegating. Well, Pastor, what is the difference? Development. Development, that's the difference. Equipping, that's the difference. Paul said to Timothy, the, the things that I have taught you, I've what? The things that I have taught you. See, see. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say this this morning. It's not always the team with the most talent that wins the Super Bowl. Every year before the season, all the analysts. You know, it's the people that can't play. The analysts get together and, and they look at all of the rosters and they look at all the, all, you know, uh, who's got the superstars on it and who's got the younger players and who's got the veterans. They just look at, they got all kinds of different scenarios they do and then they choose their pick and they say, who's going to win the Super Bowl before it ever even gets started? They're talking about who's going to win the Super Bowl and all they're talking about is who has the most talent. But seldom does the one that has the most talent end up in the Super Bowl. See, it's not always the team with the most talent that wins the Super Bowl, but it's the team that is best equipped. It's the team where where every player understands their individual strengths as well as their weaknesses, and they are willing to play the position uh, that best suits their strengths. And it's not a bunch of individual superstars showing off their individual talents, demanding, well, i got to carry the ball X amount of times or I ain't playing. You either throw the ball to me X amount of times every game or I want to be traded. The team's not going very far. No, no, no. It's not a, it's not, it's not a, not a bunch of individual superstars showing off their individual talents demanding and demanding this and that and something else. No, no. It is a well-oiled machine of 53 men who know their job and do it well. And their job may indeed be to be the quarterback. It also might be to be the punter. It might also be to be simply a special teams person playing only when the kickoff. How many games are won or lost by a blocked punt, a bad punt, a shank, a missed field goal? I mean, these guys have been grueling it out. Man, they've been grueling it out for, for four quarters. And now it, it, it comes down. There's three seconds to go. And it comes. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the, who, who the halfback is. It doesn't matter who the coach is. Now it depends. It all comes down who's going to kick the field goal. And all of a sudden, he'd been standing on the sidelines. Uh, he'd been drinking Gatorade for three hours. 
But all of a sudden, the entire game, the season, maybe the Super Bowl is on the line and it's all up to the kicker. That's why he's got to be ready. Oh, he may not be playing every down. But he knows his place. And he's prepared for his place and prepared for his time. Amen? Four qualities of a good team member. For the letter A, I'm using the word accommodating. Now, to accommodate means to make room for. Good teammates make room for other teammates. It's amazing the jealousy that comes to a team when you're the number one running back and all of a sudden they draft the number one running back. Or they trade for the number one running back. Good teammates make room for other teammates. Let me suggest three things that we must be willing to accommodate or make room for in our teammates. The first one is personalities. See, people see things differently based on their personality. The choleric says, let's do it. I mean, he's got tunnel vision. Get her done. The sanguine says, how can we have fun doing it? (laughs) And the melancholy says, why should we do it? And the phlegmatic says, Do we have to do it now? (laughs) And every team is made up of people of different personalities. Successful teams learn to accommodate or make room for all the different personalities and how they naturally see things. See, I can present something to my board if I've had them for a long time. I can present something to them knowing from right to left what the responses are going to be. Before I ever share it, before I ever tell them, I know what the the responses are going to be. Because we're all different. One is not better than the other. We're all been given our personality by God and God gave it to us for, for our particular task of our life. But successful teams is made up of people of different personalities and, and they learn how to accommodate all the different personalities and how they naturally see things. The second thing they need to accommodate and that is preferences. See, there's more than one way to get to downtown Dallas. And all of these different routes will get you to downtown Dallas. And most of these routes will get you there in the same exact amount of time. And yet each person has his own idea which way is the best way. I could ask three different people 
Especially if they were three different personality types. I could ask three different people in this room this morning, individually, I could ask you how to get to downtown Dallas, and I would probably get three different routes. And each one giving me the route thinking, this is the only way to get there. Oh, there are other ways, but this is the best way. I've I've driven them all three, and this is the best way. And they're adamant about their way being the best way, and their way being the only way. And so it is with every part of our life. Amen? Everybody has preferences. Preferences of color. Bless your heart if it's beige. I feel for you. Everyone has preferences of color, of style. Of methods. All kinds of styles and methods out there. You know, you just can't do church like this, you know, and, and expect to have any good results, you know. And then I look at this big old mega church, and they're doing it just that way. Don't tell me there's only one way to do church. I think we ought to find our way of doing it. I think we ought to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we'll have our preferences and all that way. But listen, I'm going to tell you, God can use all kinds of ways. There's more than one way to get to downtown Dallas. In order for a team to work, each team member must accommodate the preferences of his teammate. Now, now to accommodate, that doesn't mean you're going to agree with 100%. See, things come up in our staff sometimes, you know, and, and usually it's from one of the younger guys. And, and, and man, I mean, oh, wow, excited about it. I'm not jumping. But I'm not throwing cold water on them either. I'm going to put out their fire. I'm going to help them do it. I'm going to accommodate them. Amen? I'm going to make room for it. Hopefully they'll make room for me. If they don't, I'll fire them. (laughs) That doesn't mean we agree 100%. To accommodate, that doesn't mean it's going to change your mind. It simply means... To make room for a teammate's preference that might not necessarily match yours. See, when it comes to a team, teammates need to be like this rubber band. Be willing to stretch. The third thing that a good team member will accommodate is problems. And all of us have problems. Fact is, all of us are a problem. (laughs) To somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a problem. Do it. Tell them, you're a problem. Okay, now, now turn to them and say, I'm a problem. Tell them, don't say pastor's a problem. You, You... I'm a problem. See, there's a potential in all of us to be a problem. Amen? All of us have our faults. There's not a perfect one among us. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul writes and he says, Be patient with one another, making allowances. Notice, he says, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Jesus said it best in Matthew 7 and 3. He said, why do you criticize the splinter that is in your brother's eye when you got a boulder in your own eye? You don't have to be perfect in order to join the team. And the members that are already on the team are not perfect either. So here's what we must do this morning. Instead of focusing on the weaknesses of our team members, we must rather focus on their strengths and how those strengths can add value to our team. Yes, they are a problem. Yes, they're a potential problem. Yes, they've got their faults. But listen, let us focus on their strengths and see, wow, what value they can add to my team. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says, Each of you have been blessed with with one of God's many wonderful gifts to be used in the service of others. Still talking about the people of a team this morning. The last letter in our acrostic of the word team for the letter M. A good team member is mission driven. Mission driven. You see a team without a mission is only a social club. And the mission of our team, and I want you to know it. I want you to know, I want you to be abundantly clear this morning that the mission of our team, the mission of New Bethel, soon to be the Grace Place, the mission of our team is twofold. It's ministry and missions. That's our mission. Ministry and missions. That's what is in our DNA. When you cut us, we ought to bleed. Missions and ministry. That's what we're all about. That's what drives us. It's what motivates us. Ministry and missions. Touchdowns for us are when people's needs are being met. Touchdowns for us, or when the fingerprints of this church are spotted all over the world on a ministry that's winning the loss to Jesus. A win for our team is when caring people care for people. And may I say that I have seen this firsthand many times lately through our care ministry. Whether I don't know if you know it or not, but the care ministry is alive and well. The care ministry is awesome. The care ministry is working. I've seen, I've seen our care ministers at the hospital at 3 in the morning. Yeah, the pastor was there at 3 in the morning. But I want to tell you, I wasn't the only one there. The care ministry was there. Hey Amen. I've been in other places in the hospital and I not only showed up, but their care ministers showed up. I've heard of our care ministries taking food to the sick. I've heard of them calling people on the phone or going to see them that after they've missed a Sunday or two at church. Oh, I could go on and on. Let me tell you that it is working. It is working. A touchdown for our team is when a missionary receives his monthly check from us. And they don't have to come home because they've received their check. 
A touchdown for our team is when a speed the light vehicle is purchased and it was by, through the, the, the help of, of, of our youth and through the help of our church and speed the light. Oh, oh, a win for us is when a thousand fire Bibles are purchased and placed in the hands of a pastor in a third world country that has never once had his own study Bible. He's the pastor of a church and only has a little bit of the Bible but now we place in his head a study Bible in his own language. Amen. That not only is a Bible but it is also a commentary where he can understand and he can minister. That's a win. That's a win. That's a touchdown for us. A touchdown for our team is when a water well is dug in Haiti or, or when an evangelistic crusade is sponsored by our church in Africa. Oh, or when our very own missions team is sent somewhere around the world. Let me tell you that a touchdown for us is when a Royal Ranger boy is loved on and instructed by a godly, manly mentor. It's when a little impact girl is taught to be a godly young lady. It's when a youth is saved in one of our youth services. It's, be, it's when somebody new comes in and they're greeted with a fresh smile and a, and a handshake all by an usher or a greeter and on and on and on and on. That's a win for us. That's what a touchdown is for our team. Oh, hear me this morning. We are a team. We are a team. All of us are a team, but there are many teams within our team. And we don't want you just to be on the team, but we want you to be on the team within the team. We want you to get plugged into Royal Rangers or Impact Girls or Youth Sponsor or Usher or Greeter or whatever God would call. Amen. We've got some new things coming up when we get to the Grace Place. Oh, we want you to be a part of. We want you to join the team. Join the team. Every single ministry of this church should have as its mission ministry and missions. Ministry and missions. We're not all going in a different direction. We're, we do that, we'll pull each other apart. No, no, no. I'm giving you direction. I'm the coach of this team. I'm the quarterback of this team. And it's my job to call the play. And I've called the play. And it's the same every time. Amen. It's missions ministry right. And then missions ministry left. And then it's missions ministry left. And then it's missions ministry right. That is the play. That's the DNA. That's it. That's it. All right, we've talked about the pattern of a team. We've talked about the people of a team. Let me finish. I'm going to finish very, very quickly this morning by talking about the power of a team. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 9 through 12. The Bible says two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. Because if they fall, one will lift up his brothers. Woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has nobody to help him up. Again, if, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord... Is not quickly broken. I want to teach this point this morning with an illustration. And where am I going to find room to have this? Because they got me bunched up really good here. Hey, yeah, there's room there. Okay. You know, when we're by ourselves, all alone. We're pretty weak. Yep. 
all alone. Didn't take much to crush us. Take much to crush our dreams. Can't do much on our own. You know what? Together, and notice I'm not pulling out any superstar cups here. They're all the same size, same shape, same strength. But I'm putting them side by side, side by side, side by side. And it doesn't matter if you go side to side or up and down or horizontal. They all form a team. They're all touching one another. They're all adding strength to one another. This don't work. It usually does. See what we're like. We're by ourselves. See how weak we are, how frail we are, how easily we get bruised, how easily we get discarded, how easily, you know, we become ineffective. But as a team, I got a little sanguine in me, guys. We get the musicians and singers back in place this morning. Musicians and singers back in place very quickly this morning. As a team, all working together, we become strong. We can become powerful. I can't do very much by myself can't do very much on my own. But if I can get you to join my team, together, as the acronym for the word team goes, together everyone accomplishes more. See, it's time for the bench warmer to get off the bench and join the team out on the field. Three amens. And I just preached my heart out for 40 minutes. I said it's time for the bench warmers to get off the bench and join the team out on the field. Amen. It's time for you to put your gifts, your talents, and your abilities to work. And it's time for the ministry leaders to expand their base of volunteers. 
But I'm not asking you to dump on them. I'm asking you to develop them. Don't wait until we're into the grace place. We've had a grand opening and here comes 20 new Raw Ranger boys. We just chew them in there and wonder why they don't come back. Because all you got done that day was the roll call. I'm not asking you to stick some book in somebody's hand and say, I need some help. Here! Ask you to develop. Rangers, develop more men. Impact girls, develop more women. Youth, develop more youth sponsors. And on and on. And on it goes. 2013 has been declared the year of preparation. There's only four months left in this year. And I ask you this morning, will we be, will we be prepared? They're coming. I promise you the people are coming. I promise you that. They're coming. Will they come and will they go? And I know some will come and some will go because some people have no idea what they're looking for. And if you don't know what you're looking for, you'll never know when you find it. And some people just come because every time something new opens, that's where they go. God's going to send us a group of people that He wants us to have and He wants us to minister to. But He will only send them to us if we are ready. He will only send them to us if we are prepared. That's why we're not going to open the grace place the moment we get over there. We're going to learn the building. We're going to learn the sound and all that stuff. The lighting. And, 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 and listen, listen. Listen, don't get too attached to where we put you, okay? You may not end up there. Yeah, there's a grand scheme of things. Yes, there's a master plan. But it can be tweaked. Walking through with my wife one day, she said, I don't know about this room big enough for you. I said, well, good thing is, is there's six other rooms in here. If this one don't work, we'll put them in this room. I mean, it works now because this is how many people we have. But when more people come, it may not work. Well, the good news is we've got options. We've got other rooms. We'll put them in another room. Don't be like one of my men in the church in Dumas when I built the, the new building in Dumas. And man, he was so excited about the new church. I mean, there wasn't a day go by that he didn't go out to the new church and watch. Man, he was out there when they were, when they were moving the dirt. He was out there. Man, when they were putting in the steel for the foundation, when they poured the foundation, he was there. When they were raising the walls, he was there. When they were painting, he was there. Man, when they were putting the carpet down, he was there. Man, when they were putting the cabinets in, he was there. Man, I mean, he was excited about that building, man. And the first Sunday in the church. He left mad. Slamming the door behind him. Because his Sunday school class. He didn't like the room. We put his class in. Don't, don't get too. Don't get too settled. I'd have to do a little move around see what works how many knows we ought to do what works amen would you stand with me this morning would you stand with me this morning will you join the team will you join the team maybe you've joined 
the big team, but will you join the little team? Will you join some other ministry in the church? See, your job is not just to come to church on Sunday morning and evaluate the service. I have a man in my church in Midland, and his job, according to him, was to time the pastor's sermon. That was his job. Self-appointed. Your job is not just to come in here on Sunday morning, show up on Sunday morning, hope everything's in place and everything's working smoothly, and then you get to go through your little checklist of what you like and didn't like and how it could be better. And you know, you're the evaluator, you know, uh, of the church. That's not your job. Your job is to show up on Sunday morning and celebrate. Oh, celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate your salvation. Celebrate the blessing of the Lord. That's your privilege. But there's a church, amen, that needs to function Monday through Saturday. You need to find your place. And whether your place is to be the quarterback, the running back, the defensive halfback, or maybe your place is just to be the punter. He only comes in a few times uh, in a game, but man, it's crucial, and especially when he's backed up to their own goal line, man. Oh, and he just has a few yards. Man, he's got to get that punt off. He's got to get that ball down there, because if it gets blocked, the other team might just score a touchdown. So his job doesn't seem all that important on the sideline throughout the whole game, but when it comes time for a punt, he's the most important player on the team. We have many, many punters, I believe. Many special team personnel. We need to find you. We need to plug you in and get you off the bench and into the game. Father, I just pray today, Lord, as we just begin this series this morning called Join the Team. Lord, I just pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will help us raise up more team members, Lord. Help us to raise up Lord, some people, Lord, that we can put in some strategic places, but Lord, there's some people we need behind the scenes. Lord, God, we get in no offense. We need some good defensive players as well. God, I just pray that you will help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to raise up. Raise up more players, Father. Raise up more that will be a part of the team and use their gifts and their talents and their abilities. For the glory of the Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this morning. Let's sing. And I will sing unending songs. I will sing unending songs. I will sing unending songs. Oh
Father, I just thank you for this message this morning. And Father, I pray that every one of us would choose to join the team today. Father, I just pray that you would be with us this week at work, at school. We pray for your protection and your blessing over us, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're dismissed. If you're a guest with us, don't forget to turn in your connection card at our Welcome Center. Everybody have a wonderful team. Have a wonderful day.